0: By Pearson Harnish, but a huge third down conversion. You got the game the on? Side, yep. On the move, down to the 24-yard line of St. Francis. Who's winning? He, he won't the say the score. laid up and waited for the pass. Short drop Come on, out of the gun. who's winning? Rifles towards the right corner, complete to Cooey, who steps across the plane. Ah,
1: say the damn score. You're listening to the original Say the Damn Score podcast,
0: part of the Say the Damn Score podcast network. Here's your host, Logan Anderson. But before we get started with today's podcast, here's a short message from the Say The Damn Score marketing team. Hey, marketing team, get over here. I'm on my way. What's up? You need to tell our great listeners about the Critique Crew service. Oh, I'd be happy to. Say The Damn Score now offers a critique service. You send us eight to ten minutes of your work, And we have one of our nine expert broadcasters listen to your work and provide detailed written feedback of your strengths, weaknesses, and places you can improve. Many coaching and critique services are expensive, not ours. For just over 30 bucks, you can receive a professional critique of your work. Whether you're a young broadcaster coming up short in the job market or a veteran trying to reach the next level, for the price of a happy hour tab, you could be on your way to becoming a better broadcaster. Visit saythedamnscore.com slash critique dash crew or click on the critique crew link in the show notes. Now back to the show. Hey, production team, get back over here. Welcome back to the Say the Damn Score podcast. As you just heard the big voiced guy say, I'm Logan Anderson, and I'm a sportscaster covering high school, small college, and semi-pro sports in southeastern South Dakota and northwest Iowa. I'm recording from the Say the Damn Score studio, aka my spare bedroom, and the Say the Damn Score podcast is a show dedicated to talking about the sportscasting industry and sharing stories of sportscasters around the country. This episode, I'm joined by Matt Fargo. He's the PA and in-arena play-by-play man for the Harlem Globetrotters. Matt, how are you doing today? Doing great, Logan. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to do it. So the Harlem Globetrotters are a unique thing. They're world famous. They've been around forever. I feel like just about everybody has seen them at some point. Do you have to ever pinch yourself and say, you know what? Look at the company that I'm working for.
1: Oh yeah, it's it's it happens uh, more more than you would know. As far as you know, I've done uh, a little bit over 150 games already, and um, still some days it uh, it does. You have to, especially in the places that we do the games. Globetrotters have been around for 91 years, and uh, my first game was in uh, Tel Aviv, Israel, and I had never seen the Harlem Globetrotters before, um, even growing up, and and to get that opportunity to, to announce for essentially, uh, the world's favorite basketball team. Um, it, it, really is a, it's an honor and a privilege every time that I get to, to get on the mic and, um, I've really enjoyed my time with them and, um, uh, not only being able to see the places you get to see, but, uh, uh, put, uh, you know, that people always say, um, well, how much do you make doing that? And I say three million, three million smiles a year because of, of, The people we are able to touch
0: so your position is unique usually we talk to strictly play-by-play guys on this podcast but what the harlem globetrotters do is kind of a mixture of play-by-play and pa and acting to a degree i guess how difficult was it to figure out the balance of how to make that unique situation work
1: well, it's kind of funny because uh, I didn't attend college, but everything as far as mentors and and people that I learned from uh, through the business, uh, it, it kind of goes against everything you were ever taught between the difference of play-by-play and public address. It goes against every rule um, of a PA announcer or a traditional PA announcer who should just about facts and um, be clear, concise, and correct, and really um, straight with the facts and then you know the Globetrotters are saying you know they they want you to be a homer they want you to you know make sure that everybody's rooting for the Globetrotters and cheering against the the Washington Generals uh, so I think it's kind of funny that uh, it kind of goes against a lot of what I was uh, taught coming up through the business but I think um, it definitely is is more towards the line of a play by play announcer that's doing public address than it is a PAA announcer only because. There's so much more, you know, I'm call, I'm essentially calling plays um, and I'm doing a lot more, you know, play by play as far as describing players and what they're doing on the floor. So um, I have a, a lot of experience in uh, doing play by play and covering uh, basketball. And I think that was more important for me to get this position. And I think it helped me get this position, although I had done a lot of public address for For um, for basketball, but I thought my play-by-play experience almost helped me more than my public address experience
0: did. So, with the Globetrotters, if you're not familiar with them for whatever reason, they kind of they play the World All Stars now. They don't play the Washington Generals anymore, correct?
1: Well, the the Generals have announced that they've come back um, and they are back for for this uh, 2017 2018 uh, season. So. Uh, the generals are going to be coming back, took a little bit of a hiatus, um, and uh, I believe it was three years, and now uh, the, the biggest rivalry in sports is going to be reunited as far as the Globetrotters and the, the Washington generals, as the generals are going to try to find a way to beat the Globetrotters for the first time since the 60s.
0: <laughs> what happened in the 60s the one time that they got that win? Do you know the history?
1: Uh, well, I wasn't. I wasn't there. I'm. A, I'm a. Younger, i am i am know
0: that, but, but I was just wondering, <laughs> as part of the organization, if you, as obviously, it's. I, I don't know if "rigged" is the right word, but it is. Uh, it is just assumed that uh, everything is going to go right at just the right times for the globetrotters.
1: Well, I think that's what happened, and I think that's. Uh, you know, kind of the the way sports play itself out. Uh, you know, when uh, those David and Goliath matchups play themselves out, sometimes. Uh, the David is able to 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 figure things out on the right night, and I think the Generals had a, the right night um, against the the Globetrotters. You'll have to talk to to Curly Neal and those guys that were that were there as far as exactly how it went down. But uh, you know, I, I guess every dog has its day, and the Generals had theirs. And um, I know that they they've been looking for uh, for revenge for a long time now, and getting another win. And who knows? You never know; it could happen this year. So with
0: uh, the Globetrotters in doing what you do. There's a lot of play-by-play, and we talked about some of the public address responsibilities, but what you really are more so than anything is an entertainer. You're you're trying to keep everybody on the edge of their feet, uh, despite the fact that most people have a pretty good idea what's going to happen. They're going to see some cool trick basketball plays, and at the end, the Globetrotters are going to win. How do you make that entertaining win the final outcome is more or less already known?
1: Well, I think it's really interesting because, uh, I mean, a lot of what the Globetrotters do and stand for is great basketball, and there's a lot of great basketball players that have come through the Globetrotters, and um, you never know. I mean, I think there's there's certain games where that I have called that have been a lot closer um, than uh, I think the Globetrotters would like, and, uh, you know, there's other games where the Globetrotters come out and they – they execute to perfection and um, and then they're able to come away with an easy win. But um, it, it's it's a lot more, you know, they they still got to make their shots. And I think that's uh, that's something that is really amazing to me as the athletes that that the Globetrotters have that, uh, you know, they're they're playing, um, you know, 100 games plus way more than the NBA plays. And it's for the better for for. Really, the majority, it's every single night in a different city. We don't have a home home gym. We're playing in a different city every night. So it's a different basket for those guys. And th- there really is a special breed of athlete that's able to go out every night, day in and day out, and hit their shots um, to, to make the Globetrotters um, a winner night in and night out, which uh, people have come to expect.
0: What initially helped you to get the itch? for play-by-play and broadcasting. What point in your life did you know that that's what you wanted to do?
1: Uh, Well, for me, it started very, very young. I I actually started volunteering at a a community access television station um, where I grew up in Mood Township, just about 20 minutes outside of Pittsburgh. Um, And uh, I was in middle school and I would do the the battery running and the stats, or I'd do slow-mo instant replay for um, the television uh, station that would cover um, our high school football games. And then uh, I believe it was my freshman year of, of high school. I, I had actually, in, while I was still in middle school, I had done a little bit of sports uh, sports broadcasting as far as uh, more more along the lines of uh, a weekly talk show. Um, and I don't know what who wanted to listen to a 14-year-old talk about Pittsburgh sports, but I did it anyway. And then when I was a freshman, I started doing play-by-play for freshman football games. And then by my sophomore year, I had uh, started my own um, internet sports network, which was called Pittsburgh Sports Weekly and later became known as Champ Sports Network. Um, And by my sophomore year into my junior year of high school, I was doing pretty consistently doing um, high school football and broadcasting high school football. So um, I, I took the edge pretty, pretty quickly and then, um, wanted an opportunity. And as uh, I'm sure a lot of broadcasters at that age don't have that outlet, that opportunity. And I was able to just kind of create my own and, um, and I was able to really build, build a resume from, uh, launching essentially the network that launched, uh, my broadcasting career.
0: So when you launched your own network before you were out of high school, were you out uh, making sales calls as well, or did you just kind of turn it on and say, "I'm going to have fun and do it as a hobby"?
1: No, I I did. Um, I did everything as far as I remember. The first uh, the first uh, couple sponsors that I that I got was a pizza shop uh, that uh, that that came in and was providing a you know small stipend. It wasn't anything special. And then I also got a um, uh, a company to do embroidery and do shirts and things of that nature to to be able to brand myself uh, with a network. So, no, I, I think that was kind of the fun part for me is because, you know, as a 15-, 16-, 17-year-old kid, um, what do you know about selling sponsorships? But I think the fearlessness of of going in and going, well, what what's the worst they're going to say? More than likely, uh, they're going to say no, but if I get three or four to say yes, which, you know, a lot of people did say no, but I did get three or four to say yes. And, um, it also helped me, you know, learn the, the ins and outs of, of, of good sales and being able to do that. And, um, quickly realizing that, uh, it's, it's a, it's a facet and a very important one of, uh, broadcasting and making sure your sponsors are happy and all of that. But, uh, yeah, very, very early. I remember walking in and, um, I can I can appreciate the people that uh, that took the chance on uh, teenage yeared uh, Matt Fargo.
0: So, what is the Cliff Notes version of the rest of your path up to the point where you ended up getting the Harlem Globetrotters gig?
1: Well, I uh, well I did the the Champs Sports Network for a while. Um, I also I, I went into semi pro football for uh, a pretty pretty decent amount of time. Spent some time. Actually, in my my junior year, going into my senior year of high school, I uh, left high school. I was at a performing arts high school doing media arts specifically. And I left um, the, the brick and mortar high school, ended up doing cyber school and uh, took a job in Charleston, West Virginia, doing um, semi-pro football. I made $50 a, a week. Um, I had to do uh, another job on the side at at a sports bar while I was working and doing the media relations jobs for for that football team and then i I was there for about a year and a half and came back to pittsburgh uh got a job with uh, the wtae the abc affiliate wtae in pittsburgh covering high school sports uh turned that into a freelance gig with uh, cbs and max preps the uh the america's uh u.s coverage of um high school sports and then at 19, I was hired at uh, USA Today. I was a content producer at USA Today for a year and was able to dabble through some broadcasting while I did dabbling through it on the side while I worked full time at USA Today and then um, continued to kind of build my own network. I did some pretty big games with USA football and going to Mexico a couple times with the Aztec Bowl. So I kind of developed a little bit of an international resume. Um, and then was, uh, went, went in and out a couple, uh, smaller tier teams. I've, uh, done high school games for 11 years at our lady of the sacred heart. That's coming into this year. Um, and, uh, so I've been, I've been, able to go around a little bit and then of course, uh, getting the opportunity to, to audition first apply and then audition for the, for the Globetrotters position. And, um, it's been a whirlwind and I, I feel like, you know, i um, pretty young in the business uh, for considering, and uh, I feel like uh, I've I've put in a lot of time. I I always tell people I said I feel like I'm going to be a very cynical 35, 40 year old because at that point I'm going to have some time in the business. But um, but you know every opportunity, you know some paid less and some paid more. But um, getting that opportunity, the two opportunities, and mo- most importantly the reps uh, was was the biggest thing for me.
0: Finally getting the Harlem Globetrotters position. How did you find out that that was open? I mean, and how did you consider that as an option even? Because I don't think most people think of that as a play-by-play opportunity. And maybe they should, but it's just not something that comes quickly to mind. How did you find out about it? And just take us through the process of how you worked your network and your relationships to get that position.
1: Well, it's kind of funny, um, uh, you know, because I know so much of, of this business is who, you know, and, uh, maybe more importantly, who knows you. Uh, but uh, with this job in particular, I, I saw it online and and I, I wish I knew exactly where or how I saw it online, but I saw it online. Um, the, the Globetrotter parent company, Hershen, um, the Hershen family company, um, they, uh, posted the, the opening and I, um, Uh, I just applied and it was kind of funny because I I was applying while I was applying. I, the, the site can continue to kick me out. I think I counted eight times that it had kicked me out. And and normally when I was applying for jobs back then, I I wouldn't, um, have the, the patience to, uh, to keep applying, but I just had a feeling about it. And I, I applied and finally wrote everything in for the eighth time and was able to, was able to, get an email back from them and they asked me for a demo which is is kind of silly for for a public address announcer because kind of hard to get public address announcing um audio because of course it's meant for for the uh the live audience and isn't uh very regularly recorded at least not for the games that I was doing um so I I had a game that I had done arena football as public address announcer and I thought that was kind of the level of enthusiasm they were looking for, and I parlayed that with some high school basketball that I'd called um, maybe a year prior to, um, and I thought maybe though this will show them that I can you know do the the play-by-play side of things, and sent that. Ended up getting a phone call from the Globe Charters and asking uh, for an audition. Flew down, auditioned against uh, ten other um, or. Uh, 10 others that, uh, that we were able to audition against and, uh, kind of an interesting situation that I don't think a lot of broadcasters have to face is auditioning in front of, of somebody else. I think, you know, a lot of, a lot of things are done either in private or of course, um, through demo tapes. So I, that was an interesting experience that I didn't have before. And then two weeks later I got the phone call that, uh, that I had got the job and, um, ironically, I think it was not three, maybe four weeks later, I was in uh, Tel Aviv, Israel, doing my, my first Harlem Globetrotter game.
0: So part of the Harlem Globetrotters, of course, is right in the name, Trotting the Globe. You go all over the place, cities around the world, big, small, everything in between. What are some of the highlights on the travel and the places that you have seen that have been especially memorable?
1: Well, uh, 22 countries, I try to remember how many and not which ones because it's a lot easier to remember the number than the names. But uh, 22 countries that I've been to, um, I, I mentioned uh, my first one in Tel Aviv, Israel. I, I went to Tel Aviv, Israel, Bahrain, and Dubai in my first tour. Um, Dubai was probably still my, my highlight. Um, it, maybe it holds a little bit more special because it was the end of my first tour. Um, and it's just a, a really incredible uh, country and, and area, um, but uh, really enjoyed my time there. And then uh, did, did the whole European tour uh, this past spring and, and really enjoyed that, um, really through, through everywhere, whether it be the UK, Italy, uh, France, uh, going through and, and, and doing a lot of those things. And then um, right at the end of uh, this past tour, um, I got to do a, a game in Saudi Arabia. Um, that was ending um, a a week of Saudi rela- Saudi relations with the United States, and it really became more of you know you know obviously when we do things uh, every day and it kind of becomes sometimes mundane, but uh, to to represent um, not only the Harlem Globetrotters but the country and being able to be the finale event. Um, of that week. The president had been in, in, in town not shortly uh, before that. And um, I thought that was pretty special of, of being a part of something a little bit bigger than yourself. Um, and then of course, um, you know, being able to be in the US and do uh, big venues like the Staples Center and MSG and um, uh, TD Garden in Boston and American Airlines Center in Miami and um, T-Mobile Arena in, in uh, Las Vegas. Um, a lot of, a lot of cool things to do and a lot of things that even NBA guys don't get to check off their, their list as far as getting able to do public address and, in all of those, uh, and all of those arenas in a very short amount of time.
0: Do you have to know more than one language to do, uh, the, the, I don't know what to call it, the public address slash play-by-play for the <laughs> Globetrotters in so many different places or do, are they generally all English speaking arenas?
1: well uh, if uh, if i had to learn another language i wouldn't have this job that's that's for sure um but uh they have translators um at a lot of the the countries that um that maybe not pick up english as better as good as as some others um i it, it's it's kind of funny because certain you know more um main more populated areas in Europe they they will understand the basic english and obviously um everybody's a big basketball fan in that area so it's a little bit easier but um the other places they they provide and you know we were in estonia and um had an in, uh interpreter there and um they kind of go along uh, obviously i kind of have a flow of um how the game goes and um they they're able to to kind of re um, recall that to to the audience in in um whatever the native language is and and I think that really you know creates a a more uh, understanding because there is a a, a storyline if you will towards um some of the things so uh for people to follow along in 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 that is is important and uh sometimes I'm not I'm not always the one that's able to do that so um it it's it was also interesting working with a lot of the the interpreters and um how they were able to to pick up on things and, and do certain things. But, um, yeah, the, the short answer is uh, interpreters are, are the way to go and um, have worked with a, a bunch of them. I think I have been interpreted in 11 different languages uh, this past tour.
0: <laughs> That's crazy. What type of response do you get from somebody in bahrain or saudi arabia not exactly known as basketball hotbeds when the globetrotters come through
1: um well i mean i think everybody really receives the the harlem globetrotters great i mean you know they are the ambassadors of goodwill and 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 they they live by by that we all do um when we're when we're out there so I, i think that um you know, it's, it's so amazing to me when we go overseas and obviously the U S is so supportive of the Globetrotters, but it just, it, it really has blown my mind on how impressive it has when we go international. Um, you know, it was, it was a standing room only sellout in Saudi Arabia. Um, it's to walk out there and, and, um, you know, I did the, the pre-show leading up to the game and, um, just the, the, the entertainment and the production that they put into, um, on their side of things to, to welcome us is, is just amazing. It's, it's, it's been great. The fans are great. Um, you know, it's, it's, um, it takes some, some getting used to signing globetrotter basketballs because, um, I shouldn't be signing anything that, that says globetrotters as far as my basketball talent is concerned. And, um, but it, but it's really, it's really a thrill and, um, just, just an awesome thing to see that uh, that we can all kind of come together on one common uh, sport and love and enjoy um, what uh, the entertainment value that, that that the Globetrotters can bring um, around the world.
0: When you're on the road that much going to that many different places, you have to have some great um, travel horror stories, so to speak where (laughs) something broke down in a strange place or you were stuck in an airport for a really long time. Uh, what are some of your favorite one of those two that maybe mortified you at the time but is fun to talk talk about now
1: uh well th- there's there's been a couple bus breakdowns uh yeah that that happened a couple a couple times but from what i hear it, it was more than uh it was less than what it had been in the past anyway um I'm just uh off the i know i i've lost uh i've lost a luggage which which is never a good thing and then i had to do like 3 4 games in essentially two pairs of clothes so i was washing one and and having to go back and that that wasn't uh that wasn't a lot of fun that was in mexico um after losing uh losing my luggage uh but uh the, the bus rides are pretty pretty uh pretty wild as far as uh uh the the timing of them you know you're you are doing a show and then sometimes we're getting back on a on a bus uh after a game and then driving to another city. Um, and then, you know, you're, you're waking up in a couple more hours to, to go back out there, do another game. So, uh, time wise has been interesting, but, um, uh, surprisingly, uh, flights were, were pretty good, except one in particular, we were on a flight. Um, I can't remember exactly where, where we were going, but we were over the city that we were supposed to go to. And the pilot gets on It says, there's too much fog. We are going to turn around and go back to, I think we had flown out of Charlotte, if, if my memory serves me correct. We're going to turn around and go back there. And we turn around and we literally turn the plane around and go all the way back, the two-hour flight back, and land back there. And then they, they landed the plane not five minutes and said, okay, we're going to turn around and try again. We're going to try again. And then, uh, you know, obviously the scramble to, to get to the venue in time and all of that. But, um, yeah, obviously the, 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 the stories that you get in the, the travel and all of that, it goes, it's a part of it. I think I have saved a lot of room keys. I think I have been 96 hotel room keys from, from the tour. So, uh, you know, they're, they're good stories. Uh, maybe, maybe not at the time, but, uh, fun to tell afterwards.
0: How long is a tour, and how many stops are on each one?
1: Well, as far as the stops are concerned, uh, it varies. Um, typically, the, our tour begins. Uh, we we all are we all take off on Christmas Day because um, our tour uh, begins on December twenty-sixth. Uh, typically, now this year there's actually going to be games right out of our training camp, um, which is going to be in mid uh, mid December. Uh, we're going to have a handful of games and then everybody's going to go home and then we'll start again on the, on December 26th. And then it typically runs into the middle of May. Um, and, and there might be a, there might be a game or two straggler game that, that goes towards the end, but uh, typically December to May is, is what they've been doing. However, this, this past year, they've been kind of testing different, uh, different ways of maybe doing things uh, in a different time of the year and stuff like that. but. Um, that's, that's typically what it's been. And, um, like I said, I think, uh, this, this past year I did uh, a little bit over 150 games, uh, with the Globetrotters. So, uh, you know, that, uh, some, some of those were, most of those obviously were within the, the tour, uh, the tour dates I gave, but, um, there was a few of them that, that came outside of that.
0: So we talked about some of the cool places that you got to go around the world, Part of what the Globetrotters do, I know I personally saw them in Sioux City, Iowa. And you know what? I like Sioux City, Iowa. Uh, I went to school there. It's not someplace that is a destination for a world traveler. We'll just put it that way. <laughs> so going to a lot of those smaller cities where maybe they don't uh, sell out the same way that they do uh, when you're in Bahrain, how do you keep your energy high for the smaller or the smaller stops, we'll call them.
1: You know, it's it's funny because I feel like it's easier um, to to get geared up for for a smaller venue because uh, the fans are right on top of you. And uh, I, I just for for whatever reason, when you go into the community college or in a, in a couple cases uh, this past year, high schools, um, some really nice high school gymnasiums, by the way. But um, when you go into there and you know th- we are we are the show you know when you when you're in LA you know there's obviously other other options but um when you're in uh, you know um small town USA we'll say um uh, you know it's it it's been the talk of the town for the last couple months um and and they really look forward to it and i think that just makes you want to go out there and and put on um a, a great game um and entertain the fans just as much as you want to when you're doing staple center because um you know it's it's their staple center in the way that they look at it. and um I try not to um, you know I, obviously, you know you go through uh, um, times where you know your throat's not cooperating with you and your your voice isn't either, and that stuff, but you know I try not to to go oh well, we're, we're we're in a town i've never heard of so uh i can i could take it easy this week i, I or this day i i've, I've never ha- had that look at it before i was with the globe trotters and you you try to make it special for uh for each city that that you make in because you know they're going to take away with it uh they they really don't care what you do at Staples center they they want to see what you do um in their city
0: what is the best and the worst hotel you've ever stayed in <laughs>
1: Uh, the best hotel I ever stayed in was, was a rare six star hotel in Dubai. I think there's only three of them in the world. That's what I was told. Don't quote me on it. I'm sure Google could prove me wrong. Um, the worst hotel. I I don't know that I've, I've stayed in the worst hotel, um, in, um, with the globe trotters. I think it was in my semi-pro football days in Lackawanna, New York, um, that, uh, that, was, uh, very cold. It was a, it was a December game. It ended up being really cold. There was no heat. Um, there was, uh, a number of, uh, guests that weren't paying rent we'll say. And, um, that, that was, uh, that was probably the worst, but it wasn't with the globe trotters, the semi-pro football, uh, kind of got me prepared for the, for the tour and, uh, the tour life, if you will. And, uh, obviously it's a, it's a little bit, uh, it's a little bit more relaxing and enjoyable, uh, than, uh, than semi-pro football. So, uh, maybe I'm spoiled because, uh, because I have that experience to back me.
0: So describe what it's like being in a six-star motel room. What makes it six stars?
1: Um, well, um, Dubai in general, uh, just to give you an idea, you know, the taxi cabs are all Mercedes Benz. Um, a lot of, uh, people obviously familiar with the, Uh, ride sharing app uber well in dubai there is uh uber you know you you have uber xl uber black and in dubai there's uber chopper which it will physically pick up in a helicopter and take you to another part of the city via uber um so this is the the amount of you know the money that we're talking about there and my like regular hotel room was uh three stories one bedroom which was on the third floor. Uh, there was like a sitting, viewing movie, big TV theater types uh, couches on the second floor, and then the first floor was your kitchen and everything with a, an amazing view out and in, out into Dubai. Um, everything was electronic as far as and actually there's a funny story of me walking into the, the hotel in Dubai and I couldn't get any of the lights to go on. well, in a lot of the Middle Eastern com- countries, and it's starting to creep here in the US um what you you have to put your room key in uh a slot next to the door to allow all the electronics to go on because once you take that card out when you leave uh everything is shut off and obviously it saves a lot of power and things of that nature and i ended up uh, having to look like uh not the the smartest uh smartest guy on the team uh when i had to call down to the front desk asking why nothing could turn on but uh uh a little bit, uh, bit technical. Uh, I thought I was technologically savvy, but uh, I guess not in that case. But yeah, Dubai, really an incredible, incredible, incredible place.
0: So when you're in places like Dubai and, you know, just cities around the world, do you get the opportunity to spend a day and explore the cities? Or is it basically get there, get to the gym, do the performance, do the game, and then move on to the next one?
1: Um, I I think that, uh, you know, for, for lack of, you know, there's obviously exceptions to the rule, but I mean, generally speaking, that's pretty similar to how we, how we go about doing things. We do a lot of, um, you know, city to city, but when we do get an opportunity to go and, and experience a city, you know, you, you try to, a lot of times sacrifice sleep for getting to explore. And for me, who, um, hadn't done a lot of exploring overseas prior to, to doing this. Um, I, I, you know, try to take every opportunity to, to check out a restaurant or, um, check out, you know, the local culture or whatever, um, whenever I could, but, um, you know, this, the same thing goes that you're there to do a job and, um, you know, the, uh, your sleep schedule sometimes is, uh, is more important too. So, um, you know, you, you try to make the best of it. And uh, I think that I, I did a good job balancing, and I think a lot of players do a good job balancing of, you know, they're taking care of their bodies and um, enjoying a lot of places like Saudi Arabia that a lot of people aren't ever going to have the opportunity to go and you want to take advantage of it.
0: But what is the strangest food that you've had to eat while on the road internationally?
1: Mm, Wow. Um, You know, it's so funny. Uh, (laughs) In France, Uh, We were required or or not required, but we we were provided KFC for like 14 days in a row. Um, And and obviously KFC is not a strange food, but 14 days of KFC, I really should just leave it there. But um, I, I would I would probably to answer your actual question as far as the strangest question or strangest food would be squid. I had squid in, in Mexico for the first time. I guess that's really not that weird, but, uh, um, that there wasn't, there wasn't too many things, uh, that, uh, maybe octopus too. Cause I had octopus. I probably put octopus over squid now that I'm thinking about it. Um, but, uh, I guess that, uh, no, a lot of people like that stuff. So I, I guess that maybe that's not too weird, but at least that I know of, you know, there was a lot of things that I, I, probably had that I didn't ask what it was and it was probably for the better for all of us
0: what happens if you're in in Tel Aviv Israel or Paris France and you come up with a sore throat and you just absolutely cannot talk do you have a backup with you how do you do you just are you just forced to push through it even if you sound bad how do you handle that
1: yeah uh forced to push through it I Actually, I had strep throat on the U.S. tour uh, like two weeks into the to the tour. Uh, and uh, yeah, push pushed through it. Um, you know, I, I uh, you know, we've all all called games when we're sick. Um, you know, obviously, it's a little bit a little bit different when you're doing PA and trying to, you know, push your voice a little bit harder than you would uh, over over a headset where you can hear yourself through a headset. You know, I'm just pushing my voice over a mic. Um, but, uh, you know, the 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 good thing is, is, you know, A lot of or some of the players have mics as well. Um, And, you know, I would make make them uh, aware of, you know, my struggles or my whatever, whatever I was going through that day. So um, I'd let them know. And then, um, you know, they would, you know, try to pick up the slack as far as that, because it's an inevitable part if you're going to do 150 games and, you know, uh, 160 days. Then you're you're definitely going to uh, to to run into that more than once. And I did. And you know you know some days are better than others. But uh, you, you know a lot of a lot of tea, a lot of honey, and taking care of uh, taking care of your yourself is is important. Just like an athlete has to, you know, make sure that they're eating right, hydrating, and stuff like that. You know, we we have to do the same thing.
0: So normally, if you're covering a team. You know, it's sort of a different situation where there's the team and they're on the back of the plane or the back of the bus, kind of doing their own thing, and the broadcasters and coaches and everybody is up front. In this situation, it seems like, you know, everybody maybe works together a little bit more because you're as much a part of the show as they are. What is your relationship with the players being on the road that much, do you become uh very, very close with each other?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, obviously, you know, they're, they're co-workers, but at the same time, they're co-workers that, that you eat with, you sleep with, as far as on the bus, and, uh, you know, you're, you're traveling and stuff like that. So I, I think it's like, you know, it's it's kind of funny that, uh, you know, you do become, that family atmosphere becomes, um, you know, a part of, of the tour, and, and it makes it so much easier because you are with, peop- with people, you know. It, aside from walking into your hotel room every night There's your only, you know, couple hours of, of being alone. You're not rooming with anybody. Um, but you know, it, it's, it's, uh, it's probably the, the nicest thing about being with the Globetrotters. Uh, obviously I, I've, I've covered uh, division one I've covered at the NBA level and, and you're obviously not going to be nowhere near as close with players as you would be uh, doing this and, and being with them and, um, it, it is nice that, uh, that, that there's been a welcoming and, a and, a uh, open arms, uh, type welcoming for me when I came in and, um, you know, I kind of came in at a, in a different, different time than normal announcers coming to, to the season. You know, normally they're walking into training camp, but I came in and was kind of thrown right into the, to the, to the, to the game. So, um, uh, yeah, it was, it was great that the way that they were able to, how I was received and. Um, the the mentorship of you know it's not it's not very common that a player can give an announcer advice on how to do his job better but in a lot of ways because um, these guys have seen so much and done so much that that they do have a lot of good feedback on um, how to how to persuade a crowd or 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 things of that nature
0: so when you are gone for half the year and you're you basically have nothing but road games. It seems like it would be very difficult to have any sort of life outside of that, uh, with, you know, your family, your friends at home, how much of a sacrifice is that for you?
1: Well, for me personally, it's not much of one. Um, you know, obviously you, you miss friends and family. Um, you know, you use FaceTime a lot more than you'd like to, but, uh, you know, it's a way to, to keep it, keep, uh, connected and in touch. Uh, But, uh, you know, I I don't have a a wife or kids and and that's what makes a lot of these players um, really fantastic people because they do and and they have um, young children um, and and wives back at home. And obviously they're they're, you know, doing a job and putting uh, food on their table for their family. But um, that's easier said than done when you're not home every night uh, for for five plus months. So um you know for me it's it's uh it's not much of a sacrifice and i think i look at a lot of the players with um just having children and not being able to be there for for a lot of first and things of that nature you know i i look at it and go you know i i miss my friends but um i'm at a point in my life that at the same time uh you know i i don't have as as much uh back at home as as some of those guys do but uh really it's commendable on 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 both sides not only the players but but also the families. Uh, you you have to have a really um, understanding uh, spouse to to be able to because we have uh, we have four uh, female players uh, with the Globe Trotters as well. You have to have a really understanding spouse um, to be able to do what we do, and 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 that's uh, just a another reason of why it, it it's so special to do what we
0: do. So certainly, it sounds like you're having a blast, and I, I'm. I don't want to assume anything, but I'm assuming you want to do it for as long as you can, but at a certain point, being on the road that often and being gone, is that something you want to do permanently or is that something that has a shelf life? How do you make that decision?
1: Well, I mean, I think that uh, you know, for for all of us, whether it be a player or um a coach or an announcer, you know, Sweet Lou Dunbar's are are one of our coaches and um, you know, he played with Meadowlark and Curly back in the days and now he's a coach. And, um, you know, I, I think for everybody, you know, eventually this is going to come to an end because it's, it's really not sustainable in the sense of, you know, you're, you're on the road for five plus months. Um, but you know, for me, I am I'm, I'm enjoying it. It's like I said, it's a great time in my life to be doing it. Um, you know, what, what the next chapter holds for me, I, I'm really not sure. Uh, um, for the time being, I I'm, I'm having a blast and, and getting to see the world and, getting to, uh, to entertain people. It's, it's been fun, but, um, yeah, for, for everybody, it's, it's, uh, I think in the back of your head, you know, you have the, you have, uh, the, the back of your head knowing that, uh, there's, there's, you know, something beyond this. Um, but for a lot of guys, you know, they're, they've been with the Globetrotters 15, 20, even 30 years. So, uh, you know, who, who knows how long I'll, I'll be able to, and if, if they want to keep me around that long, I, I don't think that I'd mind that either.
0: So how do you prepare for a Globetrotters game? We're just going to call it a, a in-arena broadcast because that's essentially what it is because they're, they're unique. Certainly every game is different, but certain areas of of the game are choreographed and scripted to a degree. So some things are the same every time. How do you go in preparing for what you are going to do, especially with some of the quick turnarounds?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, I think that, uh, you know, obviously you you have to have everything as far as um, the the intro, I think, is probably the most important part for the announcer. Um, And uh, there's also some some uh, dialogue that you have with the the showman and that there's, you know, there's some creativity that comes with that. And and I think it's more about being on your toes than it is, um, you know, than it is, you know, finding out, you know, I don't have to worry about. You know, uh, how many points does a big easy average coming into the game? So it's a little bit of different preparation than uh, than, uh, you would be typically doing for a for a, uh, you know, ESPN broadcast of of a basketball game, if you will. But um, I I think it's just uh, kind of being prepared on knowing that anything could happen Um, when I was doing the international games. Um, one of my other responsibilities was uh, doing the music. So' I'm, I'm not only doing the the play by play, but I'm also doing the music that that uh, you know goes a, a big way, a long way into uh, putting on the game. So um, you know having everything organized as, as far as that's concerned, but um, yeah, it's a it's a different kind of mindset going in to a globe Trotters game, but um, you know no, no less important. Um, as far as just uh, having everything in order, as far as, um, you know, your starting lineups, I still need to get done where, where all the, the players are from. And obviously you develop a, um, a routine at doing that many games, but uh, you know, we, we have injuries too. We have uh, players coming and going and, and, and leaving or having a day off or so that, so there's those kind of things that still go on just like a normal basketball team. So, uh, you know, that, that, um, that's all obviously a part of, uh, my day-to-day stuff is, is figuring that kind of stuff out.
0: So in the off season, when you're not doing the globe trotters, we talked a little bit about this off air. You are basically just a, a more traditional play-by-play and PA broadcaster. How do you find the connections and how do you find the work when you're gone for the entire, uh, other half of the year?
1: Well, I, you know, I'm fortunate. Um, I was born and raised at Pittsburgh and, and really uh, started my career here, as I kind of alluded to earlier, and um, developed some good relationships with uh, with radio stations and, and affiliates here. And I, I do high school football and college football um, here on, on radio affiliates. And uh, I also, uh, I started uh, probably, I'm looking back, maybe four years ago, maybe almost five years ago doing... Uh, fill in work doing uh, traffic in the mornings from four o'clock in the morning to to noon. And, and anytime they they call and ask that they, that I need to fill in a morning, I, I do it. Actually, ended up filling in the morning after the Penguins won the Stanley Cup doing traffic, and spent a lot, lot more time talking about the Penguins winning the Stanley Cup than I did about uh, the traffic on the Parkway East. But um, you know, it, I think uh, for me, I I got where I am for taking all of the opportunities that that were offered to me. And I think that 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 mindset has stayed with me. Um just because I'm with the Globetrotters doesn't mean that I'm, you know, too good to back up on traffic or too good to do a high school football game. Uh, you know, I think that uh, you know that that mindset limits you. Um so I, I think mindset wise, just knowing that uh, that that's that's kind of what I wanted to do and and being able to draw those connections and um, uh, be able to have those connections for when I am back that's that's obviously something I value
0: you know one of the i'm going to backtrack a little bit. This is a podcast, so if this was maybe a sports radio show, I would not do this, but i'm going to go back and talk about the globe trotters. There was something I thought of that I want to know because when I watched them in Sioux City, they do a lot of sleight of hand stuff they do a lot of things that are meant to be deceptive, so you don't know where the ball is or it's, it's hidden somewhere. Do you ever lose track of it? And how do you keep track of everything that's going on when it's designed to be hard to follow?
1: Oh yeah. I mean, the, they're, uh, the, the athletes are, are good at what they do. Uh, obviously the, the, the creation, the literal creation of, of, uh, the five man weave, uh, was, was something that was, was quite important as far as, uh, what we were able to, what we were able to, to, to see and do, but, um, you know, it's, it's funny, you know, you go through training camp and, and you, you see some of the stuff, but then the great thing about these athletes is they'll throw, they'll throw a wrinkle in and, and, um, the, one of the players that I deal with, uh, one of our showmen, big easy, he's just uh, a guy that, that will create things on the fly. And I think that's, that's part of the things that I, I, I appreciate because as a play-by-play guy, you don't know where the ball is going to go. So, um, I shouldn't know where the ball is going to go with the Harlem Globetrotter game. So, um, you know, I think that it's part of, it's part of doing the games It's part of broadcasting. Maybe it's a little bit, um, exacerbated, uh, a little bit with, with the Globetrotters, but at the end of the day, I think, uh, you know, it, it just, it's a little bit more of a test and maybe it's, uh, makes things a little bit easier when I, uh, Go back and do a high school basketball game, and I go, "Wow, this is really slow."
0: <laughs> do you get bored doing a high school basketball game when you're used to watching uh, the high tempo, you know, crazy four point shots with all the fancy dribbling?
1: Uh, I don't. I, I really don't. I mean, I, I love high school sports. I really do. It's it's. I, I mentioned you know I started the high school sports network. Um, you know, I've been out of high school for a while now, but I still really, really love. Uh, the high school level. I think it's the truest form of the game. And I think from a broadcast standpoint, it is the hardest level to do because of the lack of information, uh, the the lack of access. The the no one's uh or very few teams are p- printing out uh media guides and all of this information that I, I think the the truest form and I think it's it's kind of unsaid in, in our in our world that uh you know if you could do a high school basketball game and, sometimes gets easier the higher that you go. Um, once you get into a, a division two division one, or even, you know, into the pros, it, the, the, the information is, um, abundant and it's almost more of, um, trying to, to figure out what you want to use versus what you don't versus when you walk into a high school basketball gym and you're just trying to figure out how to say, uh, how to say a kid's last name, um, versus, uh, you know, all, all of his backstory. And I, I think that's, my biggest thing is a play by play guy. Um, I, I just love the, the backstories, whether it's a kid or a coach or a, a story that those are the things that I, I love finding out and love, love looking into. And and I think that's the reason why I, I love what I do, whether it's uh, a high school basketball game that uh, that's getting broadcasted out to a couple hundred people or, or a Globetrotter game at, at the Staples Center. I try to prepare the same way, as funny as that sounds.
0: With. The extensive travel and the fact that there there is no opponent broadcaster. The Washington Generals and World All-Stars do not send anybody else. Uh, for whatever reason, you know, I just can't figure that out. But you, you don't have the chance to maybe necessarily meet broadcasting contacts when you're on the road going to different places for the Globetrotters. How do you build the connections to help yourself in the future? Does being part of the Globetrotters make that harder, or does the maybe prestige of it make it easier
1: no i, I definitely think it opens doors there's no question um you know i I've, I've gotten a chance to meet a couple public address announcers um through the nba ranks and through the nhl ranks and um and being able to just be at the venues uh that those that those people are able to to announce at and um you know there's uh, obviously some some pretty interesting uh uh celebrities and and talent that comes and, and wants to see the globe trotters with whether it's um bringing kids or or wanting to um you know we did uh, a couple things with a different a uh, couple different NFL teams worked with the San Francisco 49ers uh with a uh, a bit that they came in and, and did and um work with a couple other NFL and and um major league baseball play uh players and teams um uh, The uh, the 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 connections and stuff like that kind of come with um, the games that you do and and the things that you do. And I think it's kind of funny that, um, you know, you never know who's going to show up to a Globetrotter game because it kind of has that uh, that allure to to maybe a celebrity or stuff like that. And it's 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 always fun to meet those people. And um, and even more uh, appreciating when when they know or or they appreciate what you do. to to entertain them or entertain their family
0: drop some names who are some of the celebrities you've been able to meet
1: uh well uh I've, i'm i'm drawing a break uh ross uh, the catcher for the cubs uh he was at uh addison he was at yeah he was at uh he was at uh one of the games he did with us um uh, the, uh, the almost almost all of the cast of modern family was in la uh with us um um tried flavor Flav was at was in Vegas um Teddy Riley was also in in, in Vegas um uh Ben Stiller Adam Sandler um there there's list kind of goes on and on um for for uh celebrity purposes and actually most recently uh we did event uh, up in um, in Massachusetts at Gordon College um in uh, did something with uh, with Tim Tebow. So, um, you know, it's, it's been fun. It's been interesting uh, to, to meet some of those guys. And, um, and I think that they, especially the ones that are actually in in the, sh- in the game. Um, I think it's kind of fun that, uh, that they get to appreciate it. And um, you know, it was, it was really cool to see uh, the globe trotters teach uh, Steph Curry how to uh, spin a ball in his finger. And he said that he, he, Still cannot do it on his own, uh, but uh, but somehow the, the Globetrotters have the magic to help him out with that, and that was pretty cool, too.
0: <laughs> That's actually pretty funny. I read when I was looking up stuff on you that you were an extra in the movie Fox Catcher with Steve Carell, Mark Ruffalo, Channing Tatum. Was that uh, facilitated through the Globetrotters, or was that just something that you were you happened to be able to do at some point?
1: No that that was before uh before I was with the globe trotters um that was a handful of years ago now but uh um yeah in Pittsburgh I went for a actually went for a casting to um to be a sports announcer in in another movie and then got called to to be um an, an extra in in Foxcatcher and ended up being a, I was a US ambassador uh for one of the Olympic years um that was actually uh, depicted at uh in here in pittsburgh at uh, the peterson event center where the university of pittsburgh plays um and and that was pretty cool to to meet steve and mark um and and just the 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 way that they would uh stay in character even when the cameras weren't rolling that they that they really tried to to stay in uh in character even when the cameras weren't rolling because uh, uh you know how hard it is and the makeup and stuff like that it it's pretty entertaining to to see you know that um you might see a two-hour flick and and not realize that these people have you know uh 60 70 80 hours a week that they're putting into and um i i certainly did put in a lot of hours for for a very 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 glimpse uh short glimpse in those in those films as far as very long hours with uh very little uh little time to to get breaks, uh, I appreciate the globe trotters giving us uh, a little bit more than uh than uh than I did when I was an extra
0: so one of the things that we have in common is we have both covered arena league football, and you know what sometimes I feel like arena football is more of a circus than the globe Trotters games. Give <laughs> us a couple stories. Uh, I know you talked about the hotel. I can tell you I was at a very similar one in Muskegon, Michigan, but uh give us a couple indoor semi pro arena football stories
1: uh well i did uh, i did arena football for the uh, johnstown generals um for for a, a season and i was brought in by a guy who knew me through semi pro football and uh and at one point during the season um the owner just kind of went off offline and um they were like literally looking for uh the, the most simple things people to wash uniforms and stuff like that and you know there I am like just as this director of media relations washing uniforms and um the uniforms I whoever I was with washing the uniforms the, the numbers started to peel and then we had to like iron on ni- numbers onto the jerseys <laughs> so that we're it's like three o'clock in the morning ironing on numbers. Um I have another semi-pro similar story of a week before or the night before the, uh, the home opener of the West Virginia lightning me and the owner, um, were up late, uh, spray painting helmets that players had just purchased and they were the wrong color. And we were up late, uh, spray painting helmets. Um, a couple, uh, uh, run-ins with, uh, bad traffic and, and, uh, breaking down. I broke down. And this is probably one of my more interesting broadcast, uh, uh, stories as far as we broke down in Jane Lou, West Virginia, uh, um, and we were trying to get to Summersville to do a game, and uh, we had broke it down. They had called a taxi cab for us. The taxi cab was a a station wagon taxi cab, and uh, the the guys, you know, weaving in and out of traffic, trying to get us there. And we ended up doing the pregame show live from the taxi cab on the way to Summersville, West Virginia. And, uh, we got halfway there and then the car that had broke down, they got a call that said, Hey, our, the car's now fixed. So the taxi cab decided, we, we decided that we were going to turn around and go get the car. So we ended up having a broadcast through uh, a cell phone of somebody that was there would give me the play. And then I would give the play by play over the phone even though I wasn't even there. And I I don't know if anyone figured it out or not, but um, that that was probably the most bizarre out of of anyone uh, as far as I called a game that I was not at, at least the first half of it, I I called a game that I wasn't at.
0: I bet that one never got on your demo tape.
1: (laughs) It definitely did not get on my demo tape. Absolutely not.
0: Oh, man, that's really funny. What's the highest number of players that were new on the roster that day? With the globetrotters? No, 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 no. With with arena football or oh. or semi pro football because I know they're oh. notorious for they give you a roster and it's usually highly inaccurate.
1: Yeah, yeah. There's there's a couple instances where um, where well, the, the the one team that I was affiliated with was was very professionally ran and done, and the team that they had happened to play um, was not, uh, for lack of a better term, they just weren't. And uh, one of the their players was wearing. A Cordell Stewart Pittsburgh Steeler jersey, and the other player was wearing an Allen Iverson Sixers jersey, and they didn't match at all, obviously. And and you know, as a as a broadcaster, and you're trying to maintain some kind of professionalism in the whole thing, and and it's just kind of hard to to not laugh at. And you know you're saying, oh, Cordell's going to throw to AI, and it just it was pretty funny to to see uh to see some of those roster things. But yeah, you're you're absolutely right in sense of, um, the, uh, sometimes the parity as far as uh, organizational skills with those with those semi pro football teams is is definitely um, lacking.
0: So, who are your favorite broadcasters to listen to when you have a night off?
1: Oh, man, uh, that's a tough one. Um, I, I'm I'm a local guy um, and we have so many great ones in, in Pittsburgh. Bill Hillgrove, of course, is the voice of the Steelers and of, and of uh, Pitt, uh football and basketball. So uh, obviously him, Greg Brown with the Pirates uh, here. He's the the AT&T. He does TV and radio, which is it's kind of a dream of mine in, in the future to do baseball and have a tv and a radio i, I think i just i really enjoy the, the almost the total different uh style that you have to have between switching back and forth between tv and radio with baseball um and, and i really appreciate that um and then uh it's, it's just kind of funny for for me You uh, know, the public address announcer side tim tim tobacco who's the public address announcer for the pirates uh has has worked with me and I, I I guess I can't not mention uh, Mike Lang and, and the voice of the Penguins. So uh, I mean I, I'm a local guy and and I'll I'll stick with it. Uh, I also am uh, still still a fan of the the, the national guys, obviously, but uh, but I really appreciate what the local guys can do and and uh, and especially meeting them and and knowing them more on a personal level. I I can appreciate the, their craft as well.
0: All right. Once again, we are visiting with Matt Fargo. He is the voice of the Globetrotters. And this has been an interesting conversation. At least I think it has. I suppose I should let uh, the listeners decide that for themselves. But if somebody wanted to reach out to you or get in touch with you or ask you something about the business, how would they do so?
1: Oh, well, uh, find me on, on the social media platforms. That's always uh, the, the easiest way. i um, simply at Matt Fargo with the, the A that, that catches everybody off. It's F-A-R-A-G-O on, on Twitter. And of course, I uh, could email me at, at M Fargo nine at Gmail. Um, if they're, if they're trying to reach out, uh, uh, there's one thing that, uh, that is close to me and it was growing up and hitting a lot of resistance from some people in the business. It has always been my mission and my, my want to help younger broadcasters come up through the ranks and and do big things that i want to see um i want to see the next generation uh continue to do great broadcasting things even if it means taking my job then if you take my job then you're better than me that's uh, that's the way that's the way things work but uh uh you know any people that want to reach out uh definitely welcome that as well
0: once again we are visiting with matt fargo he is the voice of the Harlem Globetrotters. And Matt, thanks for joining us. I really appreciate it.
1: Thanks, Logan. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it.
0: This has been the Say the Damn Score podcast. Make sure to subscribe to the show via the big red subscribe button on saythedamnscore.com. And I, of course, appreciate any rankings or reviews on iTunes. They really help the show. Thanks for listening. I'm Logan Anderson. And remember, next time you're on the air to Say the Damn Score.